Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No, just going back and you know, watching the tape, uh, obviously don't start the game well defensively. Uh, give up a long drive and, and you know, just concerning part of, uh, for me going in the game was the, their size on the offensive line and them able to get movement uh, up front in the run game, but they're able to sustain a drive, I think 16 plays and uh, score a touchdown. We, we answer uh, offensively, come down a well-orchestrated drive, well-executed by our players, a three-play 75-yard drive, make it a 7-7 game. They come back with a field goal. We make a nice stop in the red zone. It's a 10-7 game. We miss a field goal. Fourth and 16, we could have pooch punt in that situation, but Parker was hitting it well in pregame going into that tunnel. Felt comfortable with that. It was just a little bit short, but uh, uh, you'll get the interception off the next drive and get another field goal. Uh, so it's a 17-10 game, and the turning point of the game is a third and five play. I mean, you know, you, you got to get off the field. We've, we've played that uh, bunch route and uh and man coverage multiple times this year and made the play on the ball and we didn't we didn't and they split us for 51 yards and the next series is a big six so now it's a 21 point game it's 31 10 uh we go to half come out first uh, drive of the second half we drive down the field and make it a 14 point game we kick off we get a hang time of a line drive kick of about two seconds and uh, their guy returns it for a touchdown makes it now a 21 point game and uh just uh, the, the, the you know the confidence of your team in the game is shot. So, uh, you know, pick six, three missed field goals, uh, not stopping the run, giving up five yards of carry defensively, very poor on third down defensively, which which attributed some, to some other things. Uh, but we averaged eight yards of play on offense, had eight explosives on offense, moved the ball. we got to finish some drives. Uh, better in those situations, and we can't have a, a, a touchdown without our defense on the field. So special teams, obviously, the kickoff coverage. Uh, we displayed some lanes a little bit when the guy, when the, when the ball bounced off of his pads and got bounced out of some lanes. Uh, we had some opportunities. We had a free runner at the at the return and, and missed a tackle. So uh, very disappointed, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, get back to work with our team on Tuesday. Uh, to improve, and we got an A&M team that's top ten in the country. We got five great opportunities sitting in front of us within the league, and we're looking forward to, to getting back out on the field and, and, and having a better performance than we had Saturday night. I'll open up for any questions. That, uh, Chris and friends, of course, South Carolina head coach Will Muschamp. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. This is GC Live. Welcome into the show. Whether you're joining us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, you know, joining us live with video or whether you're joining us um, on the podcast, on all the major podcast platforms, we certainly appreciate it. And we will be here for you a Monday afternoon therapy session, a very, very difficult, I'm sure, to accept loss for the South Carolina fan base, rightfully so. South Carolina getting beat 52-24 to 24 in a game that I, I think Chris – and, and I'm very anxious to see people's comments on the game here in our chat, so throw them in there. I think the most difficult thing to accept about this loss for the fan base right now 
has to be not that it was a loss, but that South Carolina got beat in all phases of the football game, offensively, defensively, special teams, and really just one one thing we said about the first four games is that South Carolina was able to compete. They lost to, to Tennessee, obviously. That game easily could have went another way. Florida, even though they were a little outmanned by Florida, hung in there, right? Just kept competing, kept competing, gave themselves a shot, gave themselves a chance. Well, this game, you look, man, and it just didn't work out in any phase of the game. Freshly off of a big win, I know it's got to hurt. One of the fir- the very first comments today from Daniel, he said, what's up, guys? That was a swift kick to the crotch. So there's probably nothing we can say during the next hour that will better sum it up for the fan base than that. But we'll do our best, man. So, Chris, initial thoughts. We'll dive in in a second, but initial thoughts, obviously, on the big loss for South Carolina. I think you nailed it by saying it was the manner in which South Carolina lost the game. Um, The scoreline, yeah. But – the variety of things that went wrong in the game. South Carolina, I go back to, you know, halftime. They're down three scores. Yet, and we were texting at this time, remember? You probably thought I was insane, and I proved to be insane. But I said, look, if South Carolina comes out and scores after the half, you don't feel terrible. If You know, if they score before the half or after, you don't feel terrible about it. And that's what they did. Two, you know, two-possession games, South Carolina's moving the ball, on some drives offensively, we feel like if they can clean some things up, catch some breaks defensively, maybe they get back in this thing. Right after that, kickoff return for a touchdown, right? So it was defensively a failure to even make LSU punt. They had an interception, and then they ran the clock out at the end of the game. That was only two times they didn't score. Um, Third down, they are 8 of 10. They ran the ball very well. Um, turnover margin was even at one each. They had a pick six, LSU did. That a special teams touchdown. South Carolina uh, moved the ball pretty well offensively, and they put up some points, but in the red zone, they weren't good enough. They were one for four on field goals. So, like, it's literally every facet of the game in this one that had things go wrong. Even things that have been uh, – you know, that would have been counted as atypical, right? South Carolina's been pretty good in the red zone offensively this year or in opponent territory. Weren't able to capitalize on that this time. Um, they've been really good on third. If nothing else, they've been good on third down this year. They've given up too many explosives. We've seen that. They've gotten gashed in the run game some. We've seen that. But they have been good on third down. This time they weren't. You know, so um, they're just all those different things. The fact that you had a true freshman quarterback for LSU – the other thing, though, and we'll pro- I'm sure we're going to dive into true freshman more. I don't want to put too much on the plate already, but I don't want to detract from T.J. Finley's performance. <laughs> but South Carolina made it easy on him, right? I mean, they came out, they ran the ball. They had 10 third downs in the game. I Four to five of those were five yards or less, you know. Easy throws, not a lot of pressure. The run game prevented South Carolina from bringing pressure. It was a lot of pitch and catch and a lot of yards after the catch type stuff. 
there weren't any situations that TJ Finley presented where you go, God, this guy is an amazing talent. He looked good. He looked poised. But it's not like he made a ton of plays under duress. He didn't have to fit the ball in all these tight windows. He just sort of took what he was given, which was the book on him out of high school coming in. And that's what he was presented. So credit to him for doing that. But defensively, I think I think that's where you start. I think you start defensively. And that was probably the most disappointing thing. There's going to be a lot of talk about special teams. There's going to be a ton of talk about quarterback, as we've seen. All those are very fair game to talk about. We will talk about them. There's some concerns there for sure. I think the biggest issue of the night was defensively. Just what happened in that ball game was something that um, should be, in my book, labeled as the most disappointing thing of the night. Yeah, as, yeah, uh, as Gamecock Rock says, says, Chris, uh, we tricked the announcers into thinking there's a quarterback controversy at LSU. That um, I, don't, I don't know why we even do the show because so far the comments have summed it up far better than uh, than we ever will. But, yeah, so – I'm with you, man. Finley, don't don't take anything away from what he did as a freshman. He went out there. He was in command, did what he had to do, right? He spread the ball around. Even then, a lot of the spreading the ball around was throwing, I feel like, to the first read. Um, now, he delivered the football. Don't get me wrong. Delivered the football. But this, I mean, this whole thing, all of a sudden, well, if Miles Brennan is healthy next week, who do you start at LSU? I, I don't think we're – near that point if if I'm the LSU coaching staff. But here's the problem for me, man. The inability to stop the run caused – I'm not going to say it caused all of South Carolina's problems, but it caused 80% of their problems in this game. And, you know, I, I get the idea of South Carolina's not being aggressive enough defensively. I, I understand that thought process – maybe even agree to an extent, but this the, the bad thing for South Carolina is that LSU comes out. This is, this is not an LSU team that has been, frankly, very good at all at running the football. Couldn't run it against Missouri, couldn't run it against Mississippi State, and they really spent all of last season, uh, you know, we, we talked to, to Jarrett Roser, who covers LSU, this is very much a similar scheme to what they ran last year under Joe Brady. They were a pass-first team. Much of what they do is based on the passing game. They come in, they run the football on, I think, 14 of the first 17 plays of the game. And you may say, well, put, a, put an extra guy in the box. Why aren't, you know, why aren't we letting them run the football on us like that? Put an extra guy in the box. The bad thing was South Carolina had an extra guy in the box for almost all of those plays. So they obviously, South Carolina was worried about the run. Muschamp talked about that, their size up front. But this is not a team that is used to just running the football on people and making that what they do. They come out, they take the football first. If you are, if you are that quarterback, there's no better script you could have come up with for T.J. Finley to start his LSU career, then, oh, I can hand the football off and we go right down the field and score. So I think South Carolina, for better or for worse, they're always going to be a very situational team. They they call things based on situations. And I'll say this, Auburn, they went up and down the field in between the 20s 
last week as well. So if this is sort of going to be your scheme, everything looks really good when you force three interceptions and you force a bunch of field goals, which is what happened last week. Now, if you're not forcing a lot of field goals, you're only creating one turnover, then, and you're playing a team that has enough athletes to where they can execute at a pretty high level, then I think what you see is what happened on Saturday. LSU didn't make a lot of mistakes. You're counting on teams to sort of make a mistake within like a 10, a 10, 12, 15 play drive. You say, where they're going to they're gonna screw up at some point along the way. LSU, to their credit, a lot of it was because they were so good in the running game, there's not as much chance to mess up. And so give them credit for that. But that, that to me, the fact that you have an extra guy in the box and you're still getting displaced in the run, um, Ernest Jones has to make 19 tackles, but how many of those tackles were where he was like free to go make a play behind the line of scrimmage versus – the offensive line getting to the second level and getting to the linebackers um, because they're not sort of having to worry about the defensive line, basically. Uh, to, to me, all the issues started with, with how the game started. It's that South Carolina got smashed in the running game and it opened up everything else for LSU. There was a lot of, you know, watching that first drive, um, I said, you know, just sitting there watching it, sort of said to myself, this is concerning for South Carolina. It, it was sort of a nightmare scenario if it continued to play out, which it did. Um, you look at the first, the first 10 first downs that LSU faced in the game. I had a whole list. I got full list breakdown on GamecockCentral.com for all of you who are subscribers. I have some really detailed sort of game thoughts on there that I rolled out this morning. The first 10 first downs they faced, they had less than four yards. Or they got four yards or less only three times. They got four yards, eight yards, six, five, five, six, a penalty on South Carolina. You know, they got zero yards twice. But the point is, they're making a lot of hay on first down. They're making even more hay on second down. They only faced 10 third downs in the game. Then on those, they were eight for 10. What was the big reason for that? Well, they were in very short downs and distances. We talked going in before the game about how they would have to affect the quarterback. They'd have to affect T.J. Finley. Hard to affect a quarterback when it's third and two, right? Um, You know, you look back at what LSU had on third down. uh, Four different times. Again, only ten third downs in the game. Four of those times they were in third and one. They had a third and three. You know, they had a third and nine, a third and 11, and a third and six. All the other times were third and four or less. Makes it difficult schematically, just from a yard standpoint, you got to do better than that on first down. And so you're exactly right. When the teams move it in between the 20s like that, like Auburn did, you've got to either bank on creating turnovers, which they didn't. They got one. um, Or, you know, in the red zone, clamping down, not letting them score touchdowns. That didn't happen either in the game. So, that was a, a key difference. You know, the reason that T.J. Finley was able to sit back there and have time to throw and have some favorable situations because LSU ran the ball effectively um, and they were in shorter downs and distances, whether it was on second down, whether it was on third down, and created some explosive plays. I mean, we saw that too. I mean, we talked about this run game concern. Even after the Vanderbilt game, 
I remember sitting here saying Vanderbilt popped too many eight-yard runs against the Gamecocks. What's going to happen when they play Tank Bigsby and LSU and Georgia? You know, these are the things that you have to think about. And so that that scenario sort of, you know, played out on Saturday night, and they weren't able to get the stops that they need. Yeah, and I, I think uh, really, really missing I, – I think they played the, the run pretty well last season, and – I think we all thought, and or at least the hope within within the program was that there were enough guys coming on that had have played before, and there may not be a J- Javon Kinlaw, you know, one Javon Kinlaw, but several guys that sort of could come together and be just as good on this defensive line. But right now, um, certainly based on what we saw Saturday, we're not necessarily seeing that. I think they're really missing Kinlaw and really missing DJ Wanham up front right now uh, based on what we've seen. By the way, our buddy Lou Antonelli says, uh, how heavy is the game day chair? I'm in need of furniture that is difficult to throw as part of my game day routine. Um, he goes on to say, truth is, I don't believe people are actually angry by this result. As we've, as we've seen this song and dance too many times before, as you watch it, you're just sort of like, okay, we're playing that game again. Um, another great comment. Y'all are bringing it today. Um, uh, and I think there there is a segment of the fan base who has sort of hit that that moment of just I, I'm kind of done uh, now. Now the, I think the unfortunate thing for South Carolina is that winning the two games in a row sort of roped a lot of people back in, and then again, man, I I think if South Carolina goes and competes and just gets beat. People are are PO'd, but it, it's not as it's not like it is right now, where you just get beat in, in all the phases. But speaking of the game day chair, we are brought to you by AffordableMedicalUSA.com. That's at 803-926-1493. Chris, this is as good a time as any for you to tell everybody about the game day chair. Um, maybe this week, get you a game day chair and just watch a different game. Get you some yeah. Columbia Craft brews, our friends over there, and don't worry about your heart rate getting up. Don't worry about getting excited or mad about South Carolina. Just go watch um, Ohio State and Penn State or something in your game day chair. Yeah, the award-winning Columbia Craft, too. And uh, I'm not sure if the game day chair has won any awards, but it should. Uh, maybe it'll make a loss a little bit more bearable for the weeks that you are watching the Gamecocks. Certainly is going to make any wins feel a lot better if you're tired, need to rest. Lumbar support, power pillow, TV watching position, lounge position, or the twilight position, which is zero gravity. For Lou Antonelli, I do not recommend throwing the chair. I think it's going to be quite difficult. Pretty heavy. I don't have an exact poundage, but uh, it is it is certainly not a chair that you want to throw or destroy. Um, so I would use something else for that. But yeah, check those guys out. Game day chair, affordablemedicalusa.com. Search in their search bar for the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight, or if you're on YouTube, link is right below in the description or GamecockCentral.com. If you click on the GC Live, you can find it there too. Super comfortable chair that you can uh, stick in your living room, your man cave, check out Netflix, check out football games. You're going to love it. Make sure you support those guys. Yeah, definitely. They make the show possible, make the daily show possible. So we certainly appreciate them and all of our sponsors on Gamecock Central. So, all right, man, 
as we uh, again, I, I think the running game single biggest or lack of a run defense was the single biggest issue for South Carolina in this game. But clearly, it doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get beat the way they did, multiple issues. Um, you know, I, I was doing so. I did the JB and Goldwater show today, and they're like, well, wh- "What does South Carolina need to focus on during the bye week?" And I was just like, "I mean." <laughs> They got they got beat in in every phase on Saturday, so it, it's hard to really answer that question. But I think when you look, man, giving up the kickoff return for touchdown and the pick six, those to me were the plays that that really just kept South Carolina from having any chance of actually settling into the flow of the game and making a run at it in the second half mm-hmm. because. By that point, like you said, man, you go down, you score coming out of the half, cut it to a two-score game, you kick it down there, no hang time, the ball hits the ground. And any time the ball hits the ground, we've seen this. We we saw Debo Samuel do it to Ole Miss a couple of years ago. When the ball hits the ground on kickoff, it messes everybody up. It changes the timing on everything. LSU goes to the house. At that point, you're down 21. And I agree when you when you look at it in a vacuum, you say, why is Kevin Harris not touching the football more? Well, when you sort of look at how the game played out, the pick six took away a possession and gave them a score in a game where you already didn't force a single punt. And the kickoff return gives them seven. So it's take you're taking away possessions and you're taking away uh, chances to run your offense when you're not down huge. You know, if you if you somehow get the ball back and you're just down 14, then I guarantee they're going to say, okay, everybody calm down. Let's run the football. Let's stick to the offense that we came in, the game plan you came in with, and try and chip away at this thing. But when those things happen, and, and I'm not saying it as an excuse because South Carolina – did those things to themselves. So it's not like, well, if this, then that. It's more if South Carolina hadn't done this to themselves, you give yourself a chance. But to me, those two plays were just daggers that really took away any chance of them actually going and getting back into the football game. So if if anybody wants to go through a little pain here, um, more pain – I was going to run through some scenarios, right, of of sort of how this thing played out and all the different missed opportunities, you know, in this game. Um, so first of all, you go back to, you know, it, it's a it's a seventeen to seven game, not great, but it's early. South Carolina completes a ball to Kevion Mullins for forty four yards right after LSU scores. So you got first and 10 of the LSU 31. You feel pretty good, right? Well, you give up two straight sacks and then a false start. So now you're at third and 24 at the 37. And you complete a short pass for eight yards. You miss a field goal. All right? Missed opportunity there. Not necessarily even because of the missed field goal, but you backed yourself up. When you had the ball at the 31, that's a 48-yard field goal. It ends up being a 54-yarder that's just short. 
maybe you make that field goal. And at the minimum, this is a 10-7 game. If you don't take those sacks, maybe you can go score a touchdown, and that's a three-point game. I said LSU, fortunately for South Carolina, um, throws an interception. Israel Mukwamu was close to breaking that one for a touchdown. They were a guy away, so that's another, you could say, missed opportunity. They settle for a field goal there, okay? the ter- What Will Muschamp mentioned is the turning point in the game, and it would be hard to argue this. There's a third and five at about midfield. If you get off the field there, you might feel okay. You know, you get the ball back, you're down two touchdowns. Like you said, Wes, you go run the ball. It's third and five, 51-yard touchdown. Well, you know, now you're now you're down three touchdowns. Or, I'm sorry, you're down two touchdowns at that point. Then you give up the pick six, and it's a 21-point, you know, game. Then you miss another field goal, right? So – and then you run through all these other scenarios. Of, you know, you go score, and then you cut it to two. As bad as they played in the first half, they cut it to two scores. It's basically a 14 nothing game early in the third quarter, and then they go give up that kick return. So um, there's just so many individual plays and small things that, again, you, you can't make those mistakes really against a team of just about any quality, certainly this year. This is all SEC schedule. Aside from Vanderbilt, South Carolina can't make these types of mistakes in games and win. It's just not happening. And so every loss this year we've gone through and picked out some things, um, some more than other games, where if you just don't do this, you're giving yourself a better chance to go win that game. They just made it too difficult on themselves because they didn't just make a play here or there or avoid a play here and there that could have changed the course of the ball game. And like you said, to open the show, West, they did it in all phases of the game, which becomes a difficult pill to swallow. Yeah. And all right. So let, let's get to the inevitable quarterback conversation. Cause it's yeah. the chat has already gotten in that direction. And I, I want to first build it around the pass protection in this game. And I'm, I'm guessing by how much you had charted, you've already gone back through the entire game, Chris. Not all the way. Uh, watched some of it back and just sort of charted some of the, you know, down and distance type of stuff as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm slowly, slowly making my way back through. Yep. From what it felt like live, um, I felt like a lot of the sacks – or sort of on now. Now PFF grades for the offensive line and pass protection were not good at all. Right. Um. It's sort of one of those things. It's not. I don't know if it's. I don't know if you can say it's definitely on one hundred percent the quarterback, and I'm sure you can't say it's definitely one hundred percent on the offensive line, because it's probably a combination, and every play is a little bit different, but. To me, it felt like LSU on a lot of these sacks was not getting there on their just initial push. It was more of a second effort for their defensive line. And it's like on the initial drop back, the pressure isn't quite there. Hill doesn't throw to his first or second guy. And then it's like, boom, they're able to disengage. It it was like Carolina was able to block their defensive line, but they weren't able to – hold those blocks. So it's sort of like a second effort from their defensive line. 
they're able to get there. And then that's when you had these things where it seemed like when you looked at the replay, there were some guys open downfield, but the ball was not delivered. Yeah. So I think to me, it's kind of one of those things. There was a great deal of pressure with the way the defense played. The offense was going to need to be really, really good for South Carolina to win this game. And LSU's defense, man, still not all that good, if you ask me. Like, there there were plays there to be had. There were plays available. And South Carolina did not execute them uh, enough. Now, do you wish the offensive line could hold those blocks a little bit longer? Absolutely. Do you wish the quarterback could get the ball out faster? Um, absolutely. Do you wish, even if you're not getting the ball out, that you don't take some of those sacks? Because when you take those sacks, that's when now Carolina is in the exact situation on offense that we're talking about LSU was able to avoid for their quarterback. Yep. How, you know, how many of Carolina's plays are they behind the sticks compared to LSU being ahead of the sticks on, on down and distance? Um, and, and I don't know the exact number, but to me it just – it seemed like the pass protection on a lot of these sacks was there at first. It just didn't sustain. Um, but then there was not really an adjustment, I think, from Hill to, okay, these guys, they're getting blocked on the initial sort of drop back, but I've got to get the ball out a little bit quicker. I I don't agree with this thing of, well, Hill's been awful this year. I, I don't think he has been. I think he's been solid up until Saturday, and then I think – if Hill was on the show himself, he'd say, hey, I, I got to play better than he did on Saturday. Yeah, so first off, scheme talk, right? So, and, and then definitely get to Colin Hill. Um, the question going in, LSU's defense have been a bit of a mess this year, not because of a lack of talent, but they just look disjointed. And so there was a lot of talk about them simplifying things. And our question, you remember, Wes, you know, Thursday and Friday, especially before the game, was could Bobo, could Mike Bobo scheme things up to, even if LSU simplifies it, confuse them on the back end in the run game? Can he dial some stuff up? Can he dial some stuff up in the pass game? Answer, yes. Right, just in terms of scheme is what I'm talking about. And in the running game, production too. South Carolina ball carriers not named Colin Hill, 8.8 yards a carry. Some of that was explosive plays. Some of it was chain movers. Kevin Harrison, Deshaun Fenwick looked very good again. A couple other plays. Luke Doty had a six-yard run. Shai Smith had, I think, a, a, a shorter run in the game, too. So the answer there was yes. You also look at some of the explosive plays in the past game, including uh, – or not including the ones that you mentioned, Wes, that South Carolina didn't hit. Colin Hill had some open guys that he did not hit in the game where they were open. So from a schematic standpoint – Bobo was successful, I think, in drawing up the game plan. And obviously late, defense is not doing anything. you got to go away from it a little bit in terms of the run game. Um, Now, to the quarterback play. I thought Colin Hill, there was one play that B.J. Ojulari made where he didn't have as much of a chance. It was a one-on-one pressure off the blind side. He flushes him, not much of a chance. There were multiple occasions where I felt Colin Hill – held the ball too long, or even ran himself into a sack a little bit. Those are the ones that are more difficult to swallow. Those are the ones that South Carolina can't have. Um, and there were some misses. You know, then the pick six, Jalen Brooks has to finish that route. He's got to. 
a little bit of a stare down from Colin, maybe a little bit of a force of the ball there too. So it was, was it his best game? No. Is it fair to talk about the quarterback production? Sure. I do. I'm with you, Wes. I don't think people are making it out to be like he's been horrible. Um, I don't think so. I think we talk about each game on its own. This one was not a particularly good one for him. There's going to be a trade-off, too, when you're talking about quarterback production. There's a lot of unseen things that Colin Hill does. The run game has been good for South Carolina this year. Nobody could deny that. That's been the bright spot probably on this whole football team. Or no doubt about it, really. It's been the bright spot. He gets South Carolina into a lot of good looks in the running game. But they do need to be more productive in the passing game. Some of that goes on receivers. Some of that definitely goes on the quarterback. And so it's an area they got to get better in. How do they get better? I think, or will they get better? I mean, those are those are things we have to find out. But definitely not his best game. And I think the sacks were – the sacks and not hitting some open guys and not getting the ball out quickly, those are issues in this game for sure. Yeah, all right. So we got a question on here, Chris. Why is Jordan Birch not playing more? Let's see. I, it seemed like – and I'm, I'm going to go to your – by the way, if, if you're a subscriber, you can uh, check out Chris's snap count every week on Monday. See, so, I mean, Jordan Birch played 38 snaps uh, to to Enigbare's 44 at the buck position. So he, he's actually playing more and more Yeah, if, if you look at the actual snaps. And it, it seemed like he was out there a lot. And, you know, that's sort of been the big questions. Have, you know, why why aren't certain guys playing more? on the defensive front, but I think even though Sterling played, Tonka Hemingway got his uh, second straight start out there. Uh, Zach Pickens was out there on uh, the first play of the game as well. So some of these guys that we've all wondered, you know, are they going to play more, have played more as the year goes on. Um, It just hasn't necessarily paid off yet. You're still – you're talking about really young guys playing a position that's not necessarily uh, the best to to be a, a young guy playing you know so so we'll see how they continue to come on as the year progresses I, and obviously sterling in that case was banged up last week i think was still banged up a bit through practice this week and probably why he he was cleared but then didn't get the start because he probably didn't get as many practice reps this week maybe uh, as tonka did so i don't know if the rotation on the defensive line is necessarily the issue i think it's just more about I mean, and it's a huge oversimplification and a no-brainer answer, but they just have to play better up front. Now, what that looks like, how you get to that point, I don't know, but there is no there is no secret sauce. There is no magic pill for the defensive front right now. They're just going to have to simply play better, or when they face these bigger offensive linemen that can run block well, you're going to have a similar – um, outcome similar result so uh let's see what what else have we not talked about chris that we want to hit um let's see I'm trying to see if we got any questions there's so many things to unpack that when you asked that question it gave me like a i had like a temporary freeze because there's so many <laughs> there's so much to unpack about the game based based on what we've seen so far this season based on what we saw saturday you know, what has to get better, um, man, a, a lot to unpack. So there were a few things that I noticed. If, if I'm allowed to 
mention a few good things from the game just because I felt like they were worth mentioning. You didn't mention Ernest Jones. Absolute animal. Did you see on the kickoff return for touchdown? He ran oh, all yeah. the way down the field. <laughs> all the way down the field. Um, was the only guy to even lay hands on the guy as a middle linebacker, kept trying yeah. to catch a guy who's a 200-meter track star. Um, Kevion Mullins' appearance, the leading receiver in terms of yards in the game, um, was banged up in the game, so we'll have to see how he is. But uh, that was a positive to see. Kevin Harris in the running game, Deshaun Fenwick, they continue to come on. I think offensively you feel good about the run game. Can can they solve and get a little bit better in the passing game? When I say solve, that doesn't mean become, you know, 600 yards passing a game. Can they get better there and more consistent? And then, you know, defensively, obviously, there's a ton to clean up. And, and really it starts with the run like we've talked about. So – Let's talk about the field goals. That's that's a uh, Beckham's asking about that, and that's been a big topic um, for South Carolina fans. I, I've seen, and really just the decisions. And I, I don't know if you have it in front of you, Chris. I'm trying to get the exact. I want to be fair. The exact down and distance during these. There, yeah. Kick, kicking field goals has been a trend. You know. Under Muschamp, when they get really into that kind of what would you call it, the fringe red zone area, mm-hmm. and do you go for it? Do you kick the long field goal, or do you pooch punt? And yeah. So I mean the the first one. So let's talk about the first one. It's fourth and sixteen. I laid out earlier. You've got two straight sacks and then a false start. And so you go from first and 10 at the LSU 31 to third and 24 at the LSU 45. You complete an eight-yard pass. Now it's fourth and 16 at the 37. You know, LSU has scored on its first three drives of that game. They've got a touchdown, a field goal, and a touchdown. You're not feeling wonderful about – (laughs) <laughs> your defense at that point. And, you know, you could pooch punt. If you get off a good punt, maybe you gain, I don't know, what, what Wes? I mean, the best case scenario is you gain 37 yards or 36 yards of field position if you put a perfect punt out there, right? Mm-hmm. And then you still got to go stop them when you haven't stopped them all game. Um, that kick was actually, that was the, clo- <laughs> the closest one. Out of the misses, right? So, I mean, is that is that a good is that a good decision? Fifty four yarder, Parker White. He missed it by what a yard. It's easy to say now after he missed other ones in the game and, and what we know about the game. But in, in that moment, um, was that a better decision than a pooch? I mean, if he made it, we're saying that's a good decision, right? Yeah, I mean, are are you asking me if it's a good decision? Yeah. Or are you being? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, rhetorical. I. <laughs> I mean, when when you're fourth and that long, it, it's yeah. kind of. You're it, not going to go for it on fourth and sixteen at the LSU thirty-seven. You're not going for it there. If you do, you're getting killed afterwards when you probably don't make it, and 
you'd probably be justified in getting attacked on that one. Um, I didn't really have as much, you know, that one, you know, look, that that's fine. You know, I think the other ones are the ones that you really look at. You're down 31-10 and you have a fourth and four at the LSU 17. That's one I go for, right? I mean, that is. Yeah, that, I, I think, Chris, I, I think that's the one that people start to have issues Yeah, with. Um, and South Carolina in this game had other opportunities. You know, the, the, opportun- the reason that they're even having these decisions is you're third and four at the LSU 17, a minute and a half left in the half. You're down three touchdowns and incomplete pass. You know, you complete that, you keep the drive going, you score a touchdown before the half, you're down to 14 points. Then let's say you do what you did, actually did after halftime. They go down, you get the ball back, you go down and score. At that point, it'd be a seven-point game instead of a 14-point game. And then you feel like maybe you're in business, right? You, You change you change the the air of confidence. You change how you call the game, maybe offensively and defensively. Um, but instead, you're down 21 at the half. You go score at the beginning. You give yourself a chance, and you give up a kickoff. You know, would any of that have been different? Maybe. Um, but that's the one that you know it's difficult to swallow having a third and four and not capitalizing. It's definitely hard to hard to swallow. Maybe not going for it there, uh, given the point differential. And then it's definitely hard to swallow making that decision and then missing a short field goal. That that's when it becomes really difficult. And that's when we really, you know, can can start looking back at it and saying, I don't know about that. Well you 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 had a chance to sort of two for one them, you know, at the end yeah. of the half. If if you're down, I mean the really good teams, I mean I mean we talk about that all the time, like the middle eight. Um you actually you can sometimes put a team away if you're winning already, or you can sometimes put yourself in a position to to sort of make a couple of chunk point plays, basically is what I'm trying to say. Get 14 points in a row if you can two-for-one them, just like people do at the end of a, of a half in basketball. So it's sort of a, a situation where if you're South Carolina, you're already down, and it is a fourth and makeable. It's not a fourth and long. And then that gives you an advantage to Chris on the third and four prior to it. If you know that you have two downs. Yeah. Cause if it's third and four, you can hit that little inside zone, that little quick inside zone to Kevin Harris on the third and four. If you know, you're going for it on fourth down Yeah, and keep him involved. So I think, I think that's the problem people have with that and and rightfully so is that you're down big, but you do sort of have an opportunity there against an LSU defense that again has allowed the opportunity for, for offenses to make big plays, including your own. And you sort of went with the conservative approach to it. And I I understand the the fan base's frustration. You know, Muschamp said, I felt like we needed points. I, I get that. You did need points, but you needed seven. 
And then, dude, if you score seven there, you go into the half knowing you get the ball first. You're you're feeling great as a team because you've played awful. You haven't stopped them all day. And you're getting the ball down down, you know, two touchdowns. You're you're saying, okay, we can go win this game. Yeah, I mean, to to be down fourteen and play that poorly at the half would have really been something. You know, and and you would have had a touchdown right at the end of the half. You know, Muschamp even mentioned on a Sunday teleconference that there there were some points where it was deflating. He really mentioned the kick return, you know, in the third quarter as your confidence is shot at that point. But maybe it's not shot if that puts you down two touchdowns instead of three again, you know. Um, so that one, in terms of decisions, is the hardest one to swallow, I think. Um, now, we, we do have – we have the benefit of hindsight. Parker White, if he makes that field goal, they're down 18. Then if they still came out and scored, um, they're down 11. But – you know, it's just a three-point difference at that point. It's it's 11 instead of 14. You still need a touchdown. You need two-point conversion. It's sort of a lot to ask. So the ideal scenario is however you slice it, whether you can convert that ball on third and four or you, or you, you know, throw a touchdown or run for a touchdown on third and four, or if you go for it on fourth and four and you get it, any way you slice it, a touchdown is something you really need there given the, the flow of the game. And, hey, earlier I talked about, the decision to kick the Parker White long field goal, Muschamp said that he, you know, felt good about the range, and that's fine. It was close, but I think probably baked into that thought is, man, we hadn't stopped these guys very much. You know, they had scored on all three possessions at that point, and so I feel like that is something you take into account on that fourth down decision too. Of we need points, but like you said, Wes, we need seven. We don't need three points because LSU wasn't out there getting a lot of three-pointers. They were they were scoring touchdowns, you know, for most of the night. Well, so, I mean, some games you go into and, uh, you know, three three points is – it's not like seven, but but three points it maybe is a little more impactful into the yeah. game. You know, and, and if you're – maybe even if you have a lead or if, if you're just sitting there saying, okay, the defense has played well, I want some some momentum – I want I want to feel good about this. I don't want to go forward and not get it. Um, I get it, but when you're sitting there, you're not sort of stopping them at all on defense, and you're down in the game. You sort of, sort of, almost have to say, "This is an opportunity. We may have to be aggressive, and it may, if we don't get it, lessen our chances of winning this game." But you almost have to take the chance just to have that opportunity to two-for-one them and score 14 points by scoring at the end of the half and the beginning of the next because you've all, you've already taken the hit by essentially deferring and they went straight down the field and scored on you. So the payoff to deferring is that you get the ball first to start the second half. So go ahead and take it, an opportunity there to take the risk of going for it in the chances of, of being able to two for one them and, and score those end of half and beginning of half situations. But it is what it is now. Um, I, I don't know, man. So where, and I, like I said, JB and Goldwater, those guys are like, where does South Carolina go from here with the bye week? I mean, it, here's the thing. They're, they're two and three and off, awful showing against LSU. Do, doesn't mean the season is over. 
And the reason I say that, and nobody wants to hear it right now, um, is because we all thought, based on what we saw the first four games, that South Carolina would compete and be in the game with LSU. Um, So I don't know if we can watch the LSU game and think South Carolina is going to play this poorly in every game the rest of the way just because they played so bad in, in this game. I do think the biggest concern, though, Chris, moving forward is when they're in these situations like they have been on defense, if they are able to play really good red zone defense like they did against Auburn, then they're going to be in football games. And they put a lot of effort and focus on that. But when you don't force those turnovers, and I said this earlier, but we're talking more from a big picture standpoint going forward, against talented offenses, and you don't force field goals, then you're going to be in these situations based on what we've seen through the first five games, I think, that there is, you know, there's going to be some opportunities for teams to put up points on you, and then you're going back and putting pressure on an offense that needs to be able to continuously keep the running game as part of their game plan throughout a game and not having to play catch-up. Yeah, so, I mean, when you get in the red zone, you've got to be able to stop the run defensively, I mean. And South Carolina, up to this point, they've been good on third down. They've given up They've given up too many explosives. They've given up too many points overall. But something they could hang their hat on is they've been better, pretty good in the red zone, and they've been good on third down. And so when you look at Auburn, what was the difference there? It was tightening up in the red zone. It was doing a good job of containing Bo Nix. It was a good doing a good job of forcing them into some mistakes. If you don't get those mistakes, then it's tougher. And then if you're not playing well in the red zone, forcing field goal tries, it becomes a lot tougher. You know, this isn't there's not many defenses out there that are going to overpower offenses. Even Nick Saban, who's regarded as one of the better defensive minds in the country ever in the game of football has a defense that struggled this year, right? I'm not saying, okay, well, that's fine if South Carolina struggles on on defense. I'm not saying that at all. And South Carolina's offense is obviously not on the same planet as Alabama's. But Nick Saban pointed out how offenses win football games now. And Mm -hmm. I say that to illustrate the point that offenses are typically going to be ahead now. You're going to give up some points now. The expectations of yardage and the amount of points you're giving up, that's changed from – five years ago, 10 years ago. We can't sit here and say, I, you know, defenses need to give up 14 points a game or they stink. But you, ha- what you have to do is you have to, if you get in red zone situations, you got to tighten up. You got to be able to stop the run, force some third downs around that red area, and then the spaces constrict. There's not as much field to defend, and you got to knock some balls off people, you know, in the past game. And so if you can do that, then you've got a chance to have success, and then turnovers obviously are a key part of that. Um, so for South Carolina, again, a low-margin team, a team that's not going to be able to score tons of points on people at this point, that's the areas they really have to be good in. But it's also a scary proposition where you're talking about banking on turnovers. So I think by week, in terms of that, to sort of tie it together, this team's got to figure out something um, in the run game. How can they be better? Um, they're going to face some teams down the stretch that are capable of running the football. 
they got to figure that out. Now they'll get probably for the bye week, they'll be able to get the hope is they get Rescindo Lewis back, who can at least play some snaps at Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to get – they might get Alex Huntley back, who despite being a true freshman, he might can be a rotation guy. Maybe he helps you. They're going to have to find a way schematically or developmentally to get these guys to play better on first down on rundowns. And then offensively, it is the quarterback – I don't think it's been long enough. Correct me if I'm wrong, Wes, or give your opinion on this. I don't know if we actually know if there's a quarterback question, right? In fans' minds, there is. But is there actually one? Muschamp mentioned that Luke Doty and, and Ryan Holinsky are getting reps during the bye week, but that was already built in. Um, he definitely stopped short of saying we're going to you know, assess the quarterback position overall. We might make a change. He didn't say that at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think – I mean, my, my feel is that there's not really a quarterback controversy at all within the program now could we could we hear differently throughout the week throughout the bye week potentially but i that that's my that's my feel that's my guess i haven't had anyone say this is a big conversation right now um does it eventually become something like that who knows time will tell but my feel is that it is not but I, i think whenever whenever i mean whenever you don't win games and people see there were open receivers out there and there's a pick six involved. The quarterback question, it's going to come up, uh, you know, naturally. Mm-hmm. I think, Colin, you know, you sign up for that when you play that position. So, fair or not, it's going to come up. We'll see what happens. All right, let's talk a little recruiting real quick, Chris, because while we were on the air, a little bit of breaking news. Tyrion Ingram Dawkins announces that he will be announcing <laughs> on Friday. What do we know? <laughs> we don't know a lot right now. So so Tyrion's recruitment has been interesting to follow, um, and we've laid out some of this before. He has said he's close, and, and I'm not saying he won't decide on Friday, but he, he has had a decision date before that he shelved. He's teased being almost ready or ready a bunch of times. Um, there have been a lot of different things behind the scenes that have been said. All of – Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina, who are thought of as the main players in his recruitment, have been given legitimate reasons to feel good about getting him. So the short answer is, it just happened. Give us some time to do some digging. And we'll report back on the Insiders Forum on GameCockCentral.com as soon as we know something or think we know something. Because this one, you know, you guys should know from following our work, has been a little bit more difficult to pin down you know, in terms of exactly what's going to happen. And it just now came out that he's going to, he's about ready to decide. Yep. So uh, be on the lookout with uh, all of our content on GamecockCentral.com. We'll certainly update you on that when we get more. I've already sent out a few texts, wait, you know, waiting to hear back on, on that. But we'll, um, I don't know if we'll necessarily know for sure what's going to happen until um, it actually happens on Friday, but we're going to do our best to, to dig up on that one and, and see uh, see how it goes. And let's uh, see. Well, I'll tell you, there's a comment about no way he picks Carolina after. Y'all, you know, recruits don't choose where they're going to spend four years of their lives based on one football game. So, and I'm not saying he's going to pick South Carolina, 
because we don't know yet. But they recruits look at everything way differently than fans do. They're looking at this as where am I comfortable spending the next four years of my life, not did did you get beat in in one football game. So so we'll see. We'll uh, we'll see where it goes. We'll certainly keep you updated. Be on the lookout on GamecockCentral.com. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Gamecock Central. Instagram at Gamecock Central. And, of course, uh, YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central. We'll, uh, we'll keep you up on that. And I think that's going to do it for today's show. We're about at that hour mark. Uh, but certainly if you're on the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, please click the like button and hit the subscribe button. That certainly helps us out. But for Chris... I'm Wes. We'll see you back tomorrow afternoon, and uh, everybody have a good one.